Man, I just had to take a moment to tell Cyrus thank you for that song. Man, that's, uh, that's a powerful song, and, and knowing him as a person, uh, knowing where that comes from, that's for real, you know. Um, when you know that you haven't been forsaken and that the Lord is in this place when he's working in your life, um, that'll help you get better. This morning, that's what we're going to talk about. As we go into this life-giving season of fall, which lasts for about a week here in New Orleans, um, as you feel the cool breeze and you enjoy the weather for just a minute, um, I want to talk to us over the next few weeks about how you move forward by faith, how you actually get better when you go through seasons of life that challenge you, that challenge your faith, that challenge you as a person. How do you get better through those? Um, and this morning, this, this message is tied to um, sort of Hurricane Ida, but there was a side story going on during Hur Hurricane Ida about the time that we were facing our evacuation and all that we were dealing with as people here in our community. Um, I get a text from my sister-in-law that my stepbrother, who I've grown up with and through, um, through all the years of, of our family growing up, he and I were close, and, and he caught that virus that you've heard so much about um, in the news. Now, he is a strong, healthy um, person, and so it's one of those cases where it's like, wow, um, you know, and, and she sent me one of those texts. It was like, I need you to pray because it's not good. So he had gone to the hospital and he spent yeah, a little over two weeks in ICU um, in the hospital where he was. And so our family was praying for him. Some others were praying for him. Uh, and a lot of people were just lifting him up. And he pulled through it, you know. A matter of fact, after he had pulled through it, and this was several weeks um, after he got home from the hospital, um, I was one of the first people that he talked to. And as I talked to him, you know, it's just one of these realities that, um, you know, I could hear his oxygen in the background, you know, because he went home on oxygen so I could hear the machine. Um, and we talked about five minutes and he was out of breath. Um, but it was awesome for that moment because, you know, it's just being a part of his life, um, praying for him, seeing God bring him out of a very dire situation, um, one where it seemed like the worst could happen, we know in our family that God did a miracle. And since then, he and I have talked quite a bit lately, you know, catching up for time, years, etc. And one of the things that I really have learned from him during this season is the power of being thankful. And so as we go into Thanksgiving, as we talk about how do you make your life better as a person, yes, how do you make your life better as an individual, but, but how do you make your life better as a Christian? In Scripture, there are some very clear steps and directives on how you get better, how you get out of a funk, how you get out of discouragement, defeat, depression. How do you get better? And today, um, we're going to talk about the first one of those. Um, a few weeks ago, um, I was at this festival and I was looking at some of the art there that some of the vendors were providing and, and I took a snapshot of something. I thought that is really good. And on, on that piece of art there, it was um, thankful, grateful, and blessed. So I'm going, to, I'm going to go ahead and give you the first three, right? But this morning we're going to talk about what it means to be thankful. Because when you're thankful for what you have and what God's given, you are in the process and you're on a pathway to move out of whatever it is and get better in your life. Uh, my stepbrother has said to me over and over again, as he was laying there, what he realized is 
He wasn't done spending time with the people that he loved. And one of the things that stood out for him is that in reality, he was thankful for the experiences that he's had and the people that he's had those experiences with. He was thankful for the people in his life. And what he realized is he wasn't thinking as he was laying there in ICU about how much money he had made, about his business. What he was thinking about was his family and the experiences that he had had with them, the people that they were. And what he desired as he was laying there is, I'm not done. I would like to have more of those. And out of that, you can tell every time we talk, we laugh more and we cut up more on the phone. Um, we're looking for the next time that we can connect and be together because he's thankful. And when you walk through seasons of life, learning to get better by being thankful is a key to be able to move your life forward. So how do we get thankful? Well, this morning we're going to take our Bibles and we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Obviously, this is a popular passage when it comes to the month of November. I've used it before when you talk about Thanksgiving, but I'm going to take a different approach with it this morning when we think about how to get better. And step one in getting better in your life is to be thankful. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14 through verse 24, will teach us about the power of being thankful. And specifically today for you as believers in Jesus, followers of Jesus, people who have faith in God, this word is very clearly for you and I, very clearly. But it's also very helpful for those of you who are on the fence in your faith and are looking for a way to improve and move forward in your life. This can help you also. But specifically, its power is designed and given to those who are in the family of Jesus. Verse 14, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14, this is what it says. We urge you. So there is a strong presence of I'm telling you something very important. The Apostle Paul and those around him to the church, to the people in Thessalonica. We urge you, brothers and sisters. So he's talking to the family. He's talking to those who claim the name of Christ, who by faith are in the family of faith. And so he says, brothers and sisters, this is what we want you to do. Warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. But always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Let me say that again. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So for everyone in Christ Jesus, for everyone, regardless of your level of faith, this is God's will for you. Have you ever wanted to know very clearly, what's God's will for my life? God, where are you? Well, here's one in scripture that says, here's God's will for you. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to overthink it. You don't have to worry about how you feel about it. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all 
and hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. What a great word from 1 Thessalonians. And here's the life lesson that when I think about thankfulness, the first part of getting better in life, moving from one season to the next, improving where you are in your current situation to prepare for what God has in your future, I think of this. To move forward and get better in life, how do you do that? You learn to be thankful for what you have and what God has given. For you and I to be able to move forward and get better in life, it requires that we learn to be thankful for what we have and what God has given. Do you realize that in Scripture over and over again, God blesses those who are faithful with what God has given. That's who God blesses. God blesses over and over again stewards, managers, people who are faithful with whatever God has given. And you know what he says very clearly? Even Jesus says this. If you are faithful with a little, you can be entrusted with much. But if you are not faithful with what God has given, he cannot entrust you with more because you're not managing, stewarding, being faithful with the little that he's given. To get better in your life, to improve, to move from one circumstance or season to the next and to be ready for it, it requires thankfulness. And thankfulness for what? Learning to be thankful for what you have right now and what God has given right now. When I think about this, the word thankful, here's a definition, just interesting. Feeling or expressing gratitude or appreciation. Thankfulness. It's that feeling of expressing gratitude or appreciation. When I think about thankfulness, what do we usually say? How do we usually say that we are thankful? We say, thank you for something that someone does for us. I mean, that's good manners. Uh, one of the things that is challenging, right, for the parents in the room, grandparents, is you're trying to teach your children and grandchildren, now say thank you, say yes, ma'am, say yes, sir. Show respect, right? We want to teach children to show honor and respect for the people in their lives. So we want them to say thank you when something good is given to them or something good happens to them. To be thankful, it requires a subject and an object. Now this is your basic English lesson right here. The subject is the action, the one who brings forth something good. The object is the recipient of the action. So when it comes to gratitude, when it comes to thankfulness, we are the objects of a subject. In other words, what we have been given and what God has provided right now he is the subject. He is the one who gives what we have. And we are the objects of his graciousness, of his kindness, and of his giving. Now, 
When God gives us something, you can't imagine going, God, no thanks, you gave me this, but I would rather have something else. But that's what we do, isn't it? As people. Stop and think about it for just a moment. When things are not going our way, or when the pathway or the plan or the thing that we desire most isn't unfolding the way that we want, what do we do? Well, we might get discouraged. Uh, We might get angry. We might get frustrated. We might question ourselves or others or God. And when we do that, we are going the exact opposite direction of thankfulness. All of those things will pull us away from being thankful. But we cannot receive the next blessing until we're thankful for the one that God has given right now. There's no way that God in his faithfulness, he's kind, he's merciful, he's generous. It's his character. But there's no way he can add a blessing on top of a blessing until we're thankful for the one that we hold in our hands today. And that's how he works. Learning to be thankful for what he's provided that we have right now and showing our thankfulness as recipients to his goodness and his kindness, showing thankfulness back to him for what we have currently is the key to moving forward and getting better in life. And the Bible teaches us in 1 Thessalonians that that thankfulness We must learn as brothers and sisters in Christ to reflect that to him even in the seasons when we don't like what's happening. Now, take the last 18 months, two years. Take the last month, 30-something days. There's a lot of things that have happened that we would not care for. And yet, is God still in control? Is God still kind and loving? Is God still gracious and merciful to us? Yes. And God is God and he's always working out his best and his will on behalf of his children. We just have to line up ourselves and learn to be thankful for what he's doing even when we don't understand it, can't see it, or perhaps don't like it. The total opposite of thankfulness is actually reflected in the scripture today. And so when I think about how do I learn to get better by being thankful, uh, I look at this passage and there are some things that stand out. Now I'm going to take the three standout phrases that the Apostle Paul uses and use those as kind of our framework today. But in each one of those, you're going to see an example of how we as people can learn to be thankful. The first standout phrase that he mentioned is to rejoice always. Rejoice always. Now, do you always rejoice? (laughs) As people, as human beings, we don't always rejoice. And yet, there is this urging, this strong sense of, come on, Christian, step into your faith and learn to rejoice always. 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 Do we do that? No. But there is a powerful principle of learning to be thankful that will allow us to rejoice in the Lord even when things are not going the way that we planned or intended. What is the opposite of rejoicing? What is the opposite of thankfulness? Well, the first part of verse 14, it says, We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. 
idle and disruptive. That's the opposite of someone who is thankful. That is the opposite of someone who is rejoicing in the goodness of God. Someone who is idle, then what it means in their life is they are not being thankful and productive with what God has given them. So what do they begin to do? They begin to meddle in your world. That's what they do. They begin to criticize your world. They begin to talk about your world. They begin to talk about what's wrong with you or what you're not doing. Why? Because they're idle in their own world of being thankful. And so therefore, all they can do is criticize, throw mud, slander, try to pull you down. That's idleness right there. Instead of them getting better, what they do is they become idle because they're not getting better in their faith and in their life and then they become disruptive the whole principle of disruptive right here is really someone who becomes a busybody a gossip a discourager a negative person have you ever met anyone that every time you get around them it just seems that it's negative yeah it just seems that discouragement comes out of them why I can tell you that at the bottom line, at the end of the day, people like that are just not thankful for what they have and what God has given. And that's why it never gets better for them. That's why there's never any improvement in their attitude, in their circumstances, in their life. They don't get better because they're not thankful to God for what they have and what he's given. And since they're not thankful, they get idle they're not managing or being a steward over what God has provided. And then they get disruptive. And a disruptive person begins to disrupt your life. They begin to bring their discouragement into your world. They begin to bring their depression into your world. They begin to pull you down. And what happens? Then you become unthankful. You begin to question what God's given to you, what you have. You begin to be discouraged about how God is at work in your life because someone else begins to question you at a certain level. And the Bible says very clearly, warn people like that. Now, not only warn one another, but it's very clearly warn them. Why? Because when someone steps into that, what are they revealing? Not only are they not thankful for what God has given them and what they have, listen very closely, they're not thankful for you. And if they're not thankful for you and don't express thankfulness for who you are as a child of God, that voice that's coming into your life will do nothing but tear you down and pull you down. You don't need that. Because if it challenges your thankfulness to God for what he's doing in your life, and they're not thankful for that, Warn them. Be warned of them. Because those are not the kind of people that will help you get better. Isn't that wild? What a wonderful principle and scripture to help us understand. So how do we become the opposite of that? How do we learn to rejoice always? Here's what I think is, is powerful. That next phrase, the Apostle Paul says, Encourage the dis." Heartened. Encourage the disheartened. Encourage those who are going through a difficult time, who are questioning their faith or questioning their circumstances or questioning God's presence or action. Encourage them. 
And encouragers are powerful people. Encouragers do this. They help you believe in what God's doing and believe in yourself. And they don't just do it with kind words. They're not just saying stuff to say stuff. They actually can see something in your life that you cannot see in the present. They actually can see God's breakthrough in your life. God doing something that you're just unable to see when you're disheartened, discouraged, not encouraged. And an encourager is someone who can help us learn to rejoice always because encouragers do something. Number one, an encourager will bring strength to your life. The Bible says encourage the disheartened, help the weak. When we are discouraged, we are weak in our faith, but an encourager will strengthen our faith. An encourager will help us see what God is doing even when we can't see it. And an encourager will strengthen our faith, strengthen us as a person, and allow us to be able to stand strong in the midst of some very discouraging time. An, an encourager is someone who brings strength in our life. An encourager helps us have patience. Do you realize the opposite or the greatest challenge sometimes to our rejoicing and to our thankfulness is that we're just not patient. I mean, why so many times do we get discouraged? It's very simple. You don't have what you want from God right now. And you know what that is? That's like baby talk. <laughs> that's like an infant that's like, mama, feed me now, right? I don't care that it's 2 a.m. in the morning. I'm ready to eat. My diaper's wet, you know? Now, I don't want to offend you, but when we approach God like that, we're really infant Christians. Because, God, you didn't give me what I want right now. Wah. You've never met a Christian like that, I know. An encourager will teach us that God's not on our schedule. But we can always be patient and wait because he's going to come through. I mean, the last word of this text says, our God is faithful and he will do it. You just have to be patient to receive the blessing. Think about it. When you're patient for what God is doing and you're waiting patiently, yes, there are seasons where it may seem thin, where it may seem like a struggle, where you don't have what you want right now, but when it happens because you waited for it faithfully and patiently, what do you do? You celebrate. Whoa, it finally happened. God, you finally came through. Gosh, this is a miracle. But when you receive it every time that you want it, what happens to your thankfulness? You're never as thankful if you have it on demand, in immediate supply. You're never as thankful as you will be when you patiently have to endure and receive a reward that's coming to you. When you're patient and an encourager will teach us God's at work, just trust him. Just be patient. And when you apply that to your life, your thankfulness, when you receive what God has promised and an encourager is speaking into your life saying it's going to happen, when you're patient and you receive, gosh, your gratitude just goes off the chart. It's just because you know that God came through for you at exactly the right time. And you're even thankful that it wasn't according to your schedule, 
but according to his. Encouragers help us be patient. It says be patient with everyone. An encourager also wants your good. An encourager wants your good. Now, parents and grandparents, you can relate to this very well. I understand this because um, with your children and your grandchildren, uh, you as a parent, you want what's good for them. But what's the challenge for all of us as children? I was one once, right? And teenagers and, and college students and young adults. What's the challenge for us? Oh, you're just trying to control my life. Oh, yeah. You don't know. You're old-fashioned. You don't know. You've never been through this. Hmm. But what do you have with age as parents and grandparents? What do you have that they do not have? They are naive because they do not have what? Experience. They don't have time. You've got time. And so in your time, when you speak into the life of someone else to mentor them, to coach them, you are doing so to help them. Why? Because you want them to experience the best. You really genuinely desire their good. Encouragers are people who teach us to rejoice always because they can see the good when we cannot see it. And this passage is powerful because it very clearly says, don't pay back wrong for wrong. Well, that doesn't do any good. That doesn't build anybody up. That doesn't help anyone in the world. So don't pay them back evil for evil. Instead, strive to do what is good for everyone else and for each other. We learn to rejoice always when we can see the good that's coming, even when we can't see it yet. We learn to rejoice when someone in our life teaches us and encourages us and strengthens us because they help us see that God's answer and God's timing by being patient is going to bring something better, but you have to hold on. We want your good. And God always desires your good, my good, our good. We just have to be careful to not be like students or children. We have to be careful to make sure that we're thankful and not going, oh God, you don't know what you're talking about. God, you did that for Moses, but you won't do that for me. God, you did that in the Bible, but I don't have a Bible today, you know. So, and then you go down this whole rabbit hole of ingratitude. And when you get ungrateful, then you can't see the goodness that God is going to bring. You have to be faithful with what he's given and given now before you can experience the, the first part, rejoicing always. The second one is praying continually. The Apostle Paul says, rejoice always. Verse 17, two words, pray continually. Pray continually. Praying continually is the opposite, listen very closely, of talking to everyone else about your life. Praying continually is the opposite of talking to everyone else about your life and instead making sure that you talk to God about it. That's what praying continually is. And just like we will struggle with rejoicing and being thankful, I know that we will struggle to pray continually and to talk to God about what we're going through. What is most natural for us as people, even in this generation, to talk to everyone else, to get everyone else's opinion, 
mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunts, uncles, friends at college, friends in school, friends that you don't even know, but they're on your like account, right? So you know them. And let's ask everybody else. I mean, did you see, by the way, that right now the world's richest person put out a poll on Twitter and said, hey, Twitterverse, um, I'll let you decide whether or not I should sell 10% of my shares in stock. Like, he did a poll asking everybody else, right? And that's what our world does. We want to ask everybody else their opinion. But the Bible teaches that for you, the saved, the saints, the child of God, talk to God. What does God say about it? And here's what's interesting. So many times we will pray and we don't get our answer right now when we want it. Back to that rejoicing, back to that thankfulness. And so we think that God hasn't answered us or that God doesn't have an answer for us. We think our problem is so unique. Our circumstance is so different. We're not the only people that have ever walked on this planet, by the way. And sometimes what we do is we pray for a minute and we talk for an hour. We let everybody else know in our social media verse what we know, um, what we want. And so we ask all of that and we make sure that we get their opinions. But yep, God will give you maybe a minute in the course of our day. Maybe it's in between a drive or in the shower or something like that. And there's no way that you can know what God is going to say about something unless you're talking to him and talking to him and being willing to listen. Prayer is the opposite of talking to someone, to everyone else and learning to talk to God. Here's the principle when I think about praying continually. God is always at work. When we're asleep, God is at work. When we're going through a hard time, a lean time, God is at work. When we're going through a difficult time, God is at work. When we're going through celebratory moments where good things happen, God, it's because God was at work. God is always at work. When I talk to him, I'm more inclined to hear what he says, know his plan, than when I don't. And I want to be a part as a person of what he's doing so that I know I'm thankful for what you've given and what I have right now. God, you're at work. God's always at work, never sleeps, never gets tired. He's always working for your good. He works all things together for good to those who know, who love him and are called according to his purpose. God is always working for our good. In this passage, his answers are very clear, by the way. The Bible says, this is God's will for you. Does it get any clearer than that? I mean... This is God's will for you. So this is how God answers us when we pray. There are times when we pray and God says very clearly, yes. Isn't that good? Have you ever had God say yes to a prayer? I mean, there are two people in this church that I prayed for miracles very clearly. My stepbrother, I prayed for miracle in that circumstance. You know what God said? Yes. Yes, good as dead, battling this, written off by doctors, etc. And you know what God said? Yes. Don't you love it when God says yes? Praying continually allows us to get in the kind of relationship with God where we can learn that he is going to say yes to some of our prayers. And that will bring up what? Rejoicing, thankfulness when he says yes. Do you know what else God also says? No. 
No. Now this will test your faith. This will show whether you're mature in the faith or whether you're a whiny crybaby with God. No. God will say no. And why would a parent say no to their child? Why would a parent say no to their child? Because they love them and they know what's best for them. Why would God say no to you as one of his children? Why would he say no? Because he has something better for you. And usually where we get in trouble, myself, you, all of us, we get in trouble as people and as believers, is that when God tells us no about something, we want it anyways, and we go after it. And God said no because he knew better, and he had something better for us. But we were willing to settle for what we had right in front of us, and we went after that. And that's where we begin to lose not only our thankfulness, but some of the good things that God has provided for us right now. When God says no, it's because he has something better. And if we want to grow and get better in our lives, we have to learn to be able to receive no from God as an answer because his no is not something to punish us. His no is because I have something better for you. This stood out to me um, more than anything else. Um, a couple of months ago, I was at a dinner and I heard um, Gail Benson speak. And as she was speaking, she was talking about her journey in life and her journey of faith. And one of the things that she said, and it just stood out to me, is that there were seasons in life where she genuinely was praying for God to provide things for her, and God would not do that. And then, for a girl from the West Bank, God provided Tom Benson. <laughs> and her world's never been the same. And she looks back on her life, and she was sharing this going, when God says no... It's not because he's punishing you or keeping from you. It's because he has something better for you that you just can't see yet. Gosh, that gripped me. I was like, man, I really appreciate that because so many times we clamor for things that we want right now that we believe that we see, but it's just not the right thing for us. It's not the right thing for you, for me, for us as children of God. And when we go after the things that God says no for, it cannot end well. But when we're patient with people who encourage us and we learn to rejoice and we learn to pray continually, we realize that the no is not the end. The no just means wait. And that's God's other answer for us. He's going to say yes to you on some things. He's going to say no to some other things. And then ultimately he's going to say, just wait. And waiting in patience when you receive what God has for you will bring from you and elicit from you the greatest response of thankfulness that you could ever give. That's how thankfulness works. And thankfulness is something that helps us get better in life. Verse 19 says, do not quench the spirit. So we always have to trust the spirit of God. Ask the spirit of God. Obey the spirit of God. The spirit of God for you as a child of God is speaking to you constantly. Whether we listen is another issue, but he's speaking to us on what is right and what God's best is. And when we listen, we will receive. But when we quench the spirit, and the best way to quench the spirit is to go, God, I'm not listening to you. 
well, then we cannot receive the good, the better that God has for us. And therefore, in quenching the Spirit, we settle for what we could get instead of waiting for what God could give. And so with that, we listen to the Spirit. In verse 20, 21 and 22, says, Do not reject the prophecies or have contempt for them. Test them all and hold on to what is good. The Bible is very clear. When you need a very clear answer about your life, your relationships, your finances, your job, your direction for life. When you need very clear answers, they're in there. The answers are in there. We may not know that they are there. We may need an encourager in our life to show us what God would say, what God's direction is. We may need that to help us in times where we don't know, can't see, don't feel. We need someone else to show us the direction, but the answers are clear. So, to be thankful for the answers that God is going to provide, but that are clear when he does provide, when he speaks... And this scripture is very clear. We have to listen and we have to line up. When we listen and we line up with what God says, with what his spirit is speaking, with what his word says that is very clear, and we line up, that is when we begin to hear him in our prayers. And that is when we begin to see him come through with the next and better blessing in our life because we are willing to be patient. We were willing to be thankful. And we know that what we have and where we have right now is for a reason. And it's for good. And he's going to speak. And we have to trust him. And when we trust him through prayer, talking to him, being in his word, listening to his spirit, we can experience the third and the final thing. The Bible says, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks. Now remember, thankfulness there's a subject, God, and there's an object, us. So we give thanks to the one who has given us everything. His grace, his mercy, his protection, his provision, his love, his constant guidance, his wisdom. We give thanks to the one who is in charge, who is working in our lives. And the Bible says, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And I want to add two words to that. These are not in scripture, but this is the implication. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus right now. Right now. Not tomorrow. Not yesterday. Not last week. Not a year from now. Not when God comes through for you. Or not when you look back and go, God, you didn't come through for me. Or I'm going through a really hard time right now. God commands that we be thankful right now. This is God's will for you, giving thanks. When we give thanks to him in the midst of whatever it is, whether it's a great season of rejoicing and receiving or a time that is lean and slim and you just don't know. But I've been around people like this. Who in their discouragement, in their depression, in their darkness, in the deepness of what they are walking through. With tears and sometimes agony, they still turn their face upward to God. And they say, thank you. Thank you, God. I trust you. And for those people, when they turn in that moment, do you know what's happening when they do that? 
the ones who are taking for granted the blessings of God are on the verge of going through the lean season. But those who are in the lead season and they turn and they trust to God, they're on the verge of going through the harvest. That's how it works. That's how life works. And if you want to stay more in the season of better, thankfulness in all seasons of life is what will get you through from the lean to the harvest and the lack of gratitude and thankfulness toward God will quickly get you out of the harvest and into the lean every time. Why? Because the principle about thankfulness, even written by the Apostle Paul, is that we give thanks always because this is God's will. What you're going through right now is God's will. And God can use the bad and turn it to good. And if we're not careful and we're not thankful and we're not in his word and we're not rejoicing and we're not talking to him, then God can take the good and make it lean to get your attention. God can take your surplus and take it away just like that to get you to pay attention. And do you know how you get back out of that? Thank you, Lord, I'm paying attention. And then you turn around and you turn the corner in your life. And that's how that principle of thankfulness works. Being thankful and giving thanks enables us to do good and not evil. The Bible says, whatever it is, when you're thankful, you learn to do good and you don't repay wrong for wrong. You just don't do it. You just don't go after something that would tear down someone else's faith. You don't pursue it. You just leave it alone. You pursue what is good for you, for those around you, and for everyone else as best as you can. That's what you do. It enables you to do good. It enables you to be an encourager, not a discourager. If you learn to be thankful, no matter what season of life you're in, how much you have, how little you have, if you learn to be thankful, you can then be an encourager to someone else. But if you're not thankful for what you have and what God has given, then you can't really encourage someone else. And if you're not an encourager, you're naturally a discourager. And when you discourage someone else, they begin to not listen to you when they've experienced the thankfulness, the blessings of God, because they don't want that poison in their world. They just don't. They want someone who's going to build their faith that allows them to see that wherever you are right now, there is better around the corner. There's something better. They want people who are thankful in their life, thankful for them, thankful for what's going on, and thankful for a future that God blesses. Being thankful allows you to become an encourager, not a discourager. Being thankful, ultimately, I love the way this passage ends. Being thankful enables you to find peace. Becoming a thankful person allows you to become a peaceful person. And it's wonderful. I love how this was written. It says very clearly, may God himself, very personal, very real, may God himself, the God of peace, may he sanctify you through and through and may your whole spirit, your soul, and your body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. In other words, by being thankful, by giving thanks, the peace of God can come into your life and come into your life in such a way, and I've used this phrase a lot through the last two years, the peace of God can flood your heart, your soul, 
your mind, and your strength. The peace of God can rule over your entire life. How do you receive that? Whether in times of blessing or times of challenge, how do you receive that? Thankfulness. I'm thankful. God, I'm thankful for who you are. God, I'm thankful for what you've done. God, I may not see in the moment, but I'm thankful for what you're doing right now. And I'm thankful for what you're going to do. God, I'm thankful. And when you're thankful, you're peaceful. You're not comparing. You're not clamoring. You're not fighting. You're not battling these battles of the world. You're at peace because you're focused on the one who's given it all to you in the first place. Thankful. And the last thing, thankfulness allows you to know this. God will do it. Listen, what is it that you're holding on to, thinking about, praying for, desiring, that it is wrapped up in who you are, what you desire, things that you think will never happen? Listen, if you're thankful to the Lord, for what he's given, then you can know this. He's going to give more. God will do it. God will do it. God will do it. That job, that relationship, that opportunity, that breakthrough. When you turn your attention more to him, God will do it. And when he does it, what are you going to do? God, I praise you. God, I love you. God, I know that you're real. It will get you out of depression. It will get you out of discouragement. It will get you out of your doubts. It will get you out of that funk. God will do it. Thankfulness. How do we do it? Rejoice always. Pray continually. And give thanks. For this is God's will right now. Can we pray together? Father, as we walk into a wonderful season of learning to be thankful, I pray that we go no farther than this moment in our personal prayer life right now. Right now, Lord, show each and every person one thing that you've done that they can be thankful for. One thing, God, I pray even right now that for every person in this room and online, you are waking up their hearts, their minds, their lives right now to see what you've done and to speak to them about what you will do. God, teach us to be thankful, not just because it's a holiday, but because we are children of the greatest King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Father in the universe. God, thank you. Thank you. And we know you will do it. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's good, isn't it? Thankfulness. Step one in how you make your life 
better thankfulness for what God has done, what he's doing that you don't see, and what you know he's going to do when you trust him. Thankfulness. I want to say thank you. Thank you for being faithful with your tithes and your offerings to the work of God through Calvary Baptist Church. I want to say thank you for being faithful to a church. For those of you online who continue to use this as your connection right now and your commitment to reconnect again directly in the future. Thank you. Thank you for committing to grow in your relationship with God. To do that in community with the believers here, the brothers and sisters here. And as we are thankful, watch what he will continue to do. And I pray that even this week, that as you see what God has provided for you already, right now, that it will turn your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength to one of being a child of God who's just thankful. God bless you all. Happy Thanksgiving early. And I look forward to seeing you next week.